scent gives birth to love and life. We foster passion to grow geniuses which lift humanity. And tailor technology to preserve liberty in balance with nature. Welcome, Welcome to Radical. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents, boys and girls. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for being with me today. i uh, got a crossover show for you guys again uh, today. I got to hang out with a really, really fun guy. He's uh, His name is Derek O'Shea, and uh, he's got his own show. It's called The Derek O'Shea Show. Uh, I guess they had, uh, in his uh, group of people, his audience, they had watched the debate and when they watched the debate together, they were cracking up, having a good time. And he's like, hey, I got to have this guy on. So he invited me on the show. And I started looking at you know what he does. And I thought, you know what? This is a great opportunity. I think Derek uh, is a lot more libertarian in, in nature than I think, I think a lot of Republicans are. Uh, but he is, I believe, a, a Republican. And when we talked, you know, we had this great conversation. You guys are going to hear all about it. But it was a real respectful conversation. It was one of those where we got outside of our uh, our normal, you know, uh, field of view, and that's I'll tell you that's why I have done what I do is where uh, if I can use a platform to introduce people to a few seeds of liberty, a few ideas of liberty that makes them scratch their head and say, "What am I thinking? What am I doing? Why do I have this cognitive dissonance in my head?" This guy is actually making a really, really good case for leaving peaceful people alone. Well, that's what happened. Um, you know, and then I got to hang out with him for over an hour on his show. He has a great audience and they were extremely polite. They were nice. They uh, they had lots of, you know, I guess just good interaction with what they were hearing. And I don't think they've heard a lot of what it was. You guys uh, that have been around for a while, you have. If you are new to this show, this is a great primer if you're coming over from either the Republican or Democrat side, this is a look at uh, being, you know, a, a quote unquote, I guess, libertarian, uh, a, a Bitcoiner, a, a guy that is uh, trying to, to help people with mental health, all these other things. This is a great primer for you. So if you're new here, uh, buckle up. This is the show for you. But uh, if I, I would be remiss if I said, Hey, don't go out there, uh, and become a patron. If you love this stuff and you're trying to help me, we're doing this a lot more, as you guys can see, uh, three to four times a week now, if, uh, the schedule permits. And as, as of now, uh, we're, we're pumping out shows left and right. So I appreciate all of these, uh, all of you that are patrons. If you want to become a patron, you can become a patron for as little as a dollar, uh, at patreon.com slash radical pod. And if you don't want to sign up, you can just send me maybe, I don't know, a one time uh, to help me out here once in a while. Uh, Cash app. You can send sats. You can send dollars. Uh, that nasty fiat stuff. It all spends. And uh, I appreciate it. That's a uh, cash app. And that's a dollar sign. Shane Hazel. Outside of that, you can find me at RadicalPod.com. You can contact me at Shane at RadicalPod.com if you've got ideas for shows, guests, all that fun stuff. Social media is a good place to contact me as well. But uh, I guess without further ado, the Derek O'Shea Show. <laughs> That's already a shit show. Uh, I'm, Eric, I'm Derek O'Shea, and this is the Derek O'Shea Show. Let's fucking Welcome go. Welcome to the revolution.
sweet. <laughs> How's it going? Shane, thank you so much for joining uh, joining me on the Derek Crochet Show. It means so much to me, man. Uh, I think we'll just like get right into it. I think everyone kind of knows who you are on my show because we watched you uh, debate the president of the universe <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and the other guy, whoever his name is. Uh, what was it like to grace the stage with her? Oh man, the the president of the universe is Stacey uh, Abrams. Yeah, she was <laughs> she was really nervous, man. It was unf- I, I I for for a second I felt bad, you know, like I'm a caring guy. I like to be that empathy, you know, like hey, you know, like you're trying to be the governor of uh, of Georgia, and and, yeah. and obviously you've played the president of the, the entire you know known universe. Calm down. Her her literal hand was shaking at the podium, man. And I, yeah, oh. no, no no lie, like. Her right hand, that or she's going through withdrawals. I don't know, uh, coke or fucking <laughs> oh alcohol. I, I don't know what it was, but this, uh, yeah, man. I, at first, I felt bad, but then I was like, you know what? You know, these these people are just people, man. She's just a lady who's standing up here, uh, yes. who's never had to probably face off against a guy, especially like me, uh, Brian Kemp. Yeah, yeah. She's she's probably fought you know you know hayseeds like that her entire life, but whatever. Right. Wow. <laughs> Let's just like take it back a little bit. So I'm I'm genuinely curious. What drives a man to run for a, for any any seat? Because oh. I know you've run a couple of times. So like what 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 is that driving factor? Yeah, this is uh, this is the third run. I think I had uh, different different motivations each time. The first one, man, I was uh, I was just really pissed at my representative. Uh, fairly foolhardy. Thought, hey. I'm a Marine combat vet, highly decorated at that. The Republican Party is here. I'm a constitutional autist, like, you know, whatever part of the Constitution you want to talk about, let's go talk about it in depth and and, and all that kind of stuff. I thought I was going to be God's gift to the GOP and, like, set it on fire, go up there and show Thomas Massey a thing or two. (laughs) Fuck. I got crushed in the primary. I think I only got, like, 30% of the vote in the primary for the Republican Party at that time. And then... Uh, I don't know, 2020 U.S. Senate, I was like, well, what's what's next after 2018? And saw that, uh, you know, this David Perdue had a 20% constitutional voting record down here. I was like, this guy sucks too. Like, let's go out there and beat the fuck out of him. Okay. So there was that. But during that campaign, man, that was uh, that was COVID, right? Like, that was, you know, the, oh, right. the impetus. And Brian Kemp, um, the tyrant down here in Georgia came out and threatened everybody with force and coercion and basically said, if you're non-essential, you can stay home. And if you have neighbors and friends or you see groups of people, more than 10 that aren't abiding by like my dictates as the, you know, the King of Georgia, well then you tell them to disperse or you come tell us. And I was just like, Whoa, man, that was like, this is the first amendment's gone. Like it's, it's gone by decree and nobody blinked. Nobody said shit. And I was just like, this doesn't this doesn't get walked back this is this is now the new normal this is a precedent for executive order and i mean honestly i was fairly distracted uh with brian kemp during my 2020 you know run uh because i was like dude this is a different this is a different time to be alive so uh, i carried it around for two years probably not the healthiest grudge but uh obviously got to let it go uh <laughs> a couple of weeks we ago all, on the debate we all stage. carry around shit man yeah. <laughs> it's just how you deal with it um <laughs> Wow, yeah, I, it's funny. I like that you bring that up because, like, I there's a lot. Uh, we have like conservatives and libertarians on in my in my uh, show, 
And so I think a lot of conservatives like to pretend like uh, COVID never happened. And yeah. like, especially the Republican Party. So it's interesting that you say that. Um, did you did you bring that up to him when you talked to him, like personally? Oh, I mean, like behind the scenes, did I bring it up to him? No, there was it, there was no okay. time, man. Like, you know, the, 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 there were the initial greetings on stage. They came up. Both of them were nice. They shook my hands. You know, I had met Brian before uh, a long time ago, and he was a he was a jackass back then. You know, he's a he's 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 a kid. You know, you look at you look at Brian Kemp, and you're like, you're just an old kid. And you're like, you're really a child. Like when when he didn't realize like the question, especially when it was just like, hey, you know, I got to ask him the question of like, oh yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, and you just saw him like kind of swallow and be like, is that a question? And you're like, man, uh, yeah, that's a question, man. I, I don't know if you went to Georgia uh, indoctrination uh, like I did, but like we we got indoctrinated uh, probably by the same people. They taught us the difference at least between a statement and a question in English classes. So yeah, he he's just, you know, he's, he's a puppet and, and, you know, and he, obviously got shown out during that whole thing so yeah they're nice enough. yeah they're just dumb. yeah yeah he uh, when i watched that debate like he definitely was the weakest and it was like so i grew up in south carolina and we have people like lindsey graham and <laughs> mcmasters and crap and so uh, and I, I to be honest i i have fallen victim to uh voting for the lesser of two evils or whatever and voted for lindsey graham when i was like 18 like, it was too stupid because uh, I was just like, well, I don't want a Democrat in the office. <laughs> like, a- 18 is the last age you can actually vote for Lindsey Graham and be like, man, I voted for the two evils, right? Like that, yeah. that's, 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 the, that's, the, that's the last point where everybody's like, well, okay, you get to do it. Right, 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 right. It's, it's like some of my friends that like have uh, voted for Obama when they were 18. I was like, y- you get a pass. Yeah. That's it, though. After that, it's over. <laughs> Got to grow up. So, so like when you you were a Republican at first and then you moved to the Libertarian Party. So yeah, in in you know full disclosure, um in like growing up I was I mean red white and blue, just spangly, like sparkly, okay. bled yeah. it, you know, like stand up, cry <laughs> and you know, say the pledge of allegiance, look at, you know, people crossways if they weren't doing the same indoctrinated shit I was doing. And, you know, it was 2015 where I became a libertarian and like literally a card, you know, holding member. But I knew I was like, the libertarians are doing, they're not doing shit. Like they're putting up like Bill Weld and Gary Johnson and guys like that. And I was like, I, I'm not behind Bill Weld. And I'm, you know, Gary Johnson goes up there and <laughs> is not as presidential as I think, you know, somebody, I don't, even if you're a libertarian, hey man. We've got great people in this space that are super duper smart, especially the economists, right? And you're like, yeah, put one of those guys up that can talk circles around these guys. That didn't happen. So uh, in 2016, I made up my mind I was going to run um, in the 2018 election for the primary as a Republican because I was like, you can't do it as a libertarian. And then, right. boy, I'll tell you what, uh, when I ran, I saw what the GOP machine was down to the local level and it's united. I, I will tell you that. The people who are in positions of power are united as libertarians, and man, that is a that's a they'll stab you in the front and the back and everywhere else that they can. Um, and if you're not that guy that's going to take the special interest money, 
uh, that you're, you're going to stand on the Constitution and people's rights, and all, they don't want anything to do with you. It doesn't matter if you are, you know, from Marine Special Operations, you combat, decorated, and everything else. Like, that fucking stuff doesn't matter with those guys. The fact that you're a local guy that grew up in the district, that lives in the district, doesn't matter. The fact that you know the Constitution cold doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters to the GOP. They want guys that go, yeah, we'll take your votes and we'll take your money. You make sure we're in there and we get reelected. That's your guy. And that's who uh, I ran against, Rob Woodall. That's how I felt like I was like, man, I can't deal with this GOP machine anymore. Like they'll say one thing to your face and then they'll just stab you right in the damn guts. Yeah, you know, I, I've kind of experienced a little bit of that. My stepfather ran for town council and he, anytime he kind of went outside of the box, which he's kind of like me, it's like, Sure, he ran as a Republican, but that dude is not Republican. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's more libertarian, uh, has some moderate things, but m- mainly libertarian. And, like, uh, he got ousted. Very. It's amazing how they will just eat their own and oh, just be yeah. happy with it. Yeah. I just – and I think, like, it's funny that people are, are like, well, at least we're not as bad as the Democrats. Would you – what would you say to that? <laughs> It's different. Um, okay. It, it, you know, and, and that's the thing is force and coercion from both parties. Um, one wants to take your, your cannabis. One wants to take your guns. <laughs> and they, they, yeah. they both, and the thing is, is they both will have the legislation passed so that at the end of the day, your local police officer who's 18, 19 years old, who doesn't know shit, who's also been indoctrinated his entire life, will go out and take your stuff. And it doesn't matter if it's First Amendment stuff, it doesn't matter if it's Second Amendment, it doesn't matter if it's Fourth, Fifth, Sixth, Seventh, it doesn't matter what it is. That police officer, at the end of the day, once that legislation is passed, he doesn't care if it was passed by Republicans or Democrats. And right. now you look at the amalgamation of this beast, right? There, this, this beast has grown to the point where nothing ever comes off the books, ever. And that's the problem is those guys, they get carrots dangled in front of them to go out and go after peaceful people. And, then, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's the biggest thing that both Republicans and Democrats miss. It doesn't matter if you approve of somebody's lifestyle. It doesn't matter if you approve of who they love, who they worship, you know, what, you know, like, I don't think skin color is a thing except for, you know, really, really progressive idiots. Um, None of that matters um, to, you know, the libertarian types because at the end of the day, if you're not trespassing against me, if you're not taking my stuff, if you're not hurting people, like, what? I don't care if you're doing drugs. I don't care if you're sleeping with a dude. I don't care if you want to cut off your dick. Like, I don't care about any of those things. Right. That's that's your business. And for me, um, that's where I think both Republicans and Democrats get it wrong is they're still sending cops with badges and guns after peaceful people. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think that's just it's, it's not the American way. Yeah. Yeah. And on that, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious as like somebody who's libertarian, what do you think is the like answer to deal with like our open air drug use and our homeless epidemic that is on in every city? Yeah. Uh, I think we have a giant mental health crisis in America. Giant. Yeah. Um, and what you could do is legalize the natural psychedelics first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. Natural psychedelics. Um, you know, I've, Extensive research. I got to tell you, I'm pretty high op tempo, pretty mission oriented. Like I get up super early. I stay up late. I work my ass off. <laughs> Things like psilocy- yeah, like psilocybin and cannabis as yeah. a as a Marine veteran. Like I didn't even know I had PTSD for a very long time. Like I, had, I was just like, no, what, what are you talking about? That's a weakness. It's like, that's not me. 
That okay. is one of those things that helps create clarity and mental health. It helps restore empathy and starts to remove mission right from your, your life. And that's how, you know, that's my personal story. But for everybody else out there, when you look at, you know, what the psychoactive components are in psilocybin and THC and all those kind of things, what you're looking at is a non-addictive, non, you know, non-invasive type of, uh, you know, chemical that doesn't eat your brain like the quote unquote government studies said in the 60s and 70s so that they could you know, launch the war on drugs and stuff like that. So you start addressing mental health and you look, actually look at over history, man, like there's a great book. It's called the key to immortality. Um, and mm. this book, I mean, listen to it because it's, it's giant for the, you know, first and foremost, and it goes through every, you know, uh, romantic Germanic and, uh, you know, uh, Aramaic type of language. And the guy mm. who wrote it, uh, Brian, uh, Murawski, I think is his name. He, he is like Indiana Jones meets a linguist meets a biologist, you know, and he's done these studies throughout antiquity where he shows that the, the psychedelics that people used in their communion with spiritualness and all that fun stuff, which I think we're seriously missing today, uh, they called it the glue of humanity because it gave you the ability to let go of yourself, your own mm -hmm. ego, and start looking at different people's paths you know like hey they're probably doing this for a reason or whatever it was and so you start to give that love to other people right like that hey listen that's another person that's somebody's daughter that's somebody's wife that's somebody's son that's somebody you know whatever it is you start to look at the world a little bit differently through those uh through those eyes and i think when you start talking about the open open air epidemics that we have in certain in terms of like homelessness drug use and all that kind of stuff especially in very crowded uh very uh, temperate areas like san diego or san diego or san francisco or you know mm -hmm. places that are just warm where you don't freeze to death because i don't think minnesota has the the homeless problem and the drug problem that you know those guys do you start to look at a very cheap easy free solution that might actually combat what we're seeing with the alphabet boys being entangled with the drug cartels in different countries and different governments and different, uh, you know, different foreign agencies that want to manipulate the public here in, in the United States. So it's, it, it's, it's an idea, you know, it's a, it's, it's on the side of freedom. You know, that's yeah. what America was built on is like, Hey man, I, I, as long as you're over there doing your thing and not hurting anybody, I don't give a shit. Okay, so it does like a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, like it. I, was, I got soapboxes, man. No, no, I love it. I love it. No, no, no. There's a because um, so like the because I'm genuinely curious. So it's like the I I get the legalization of like drugs, and I'm with you on that. Especially like it, the war on drugs doesn't work. Just like Biden's trying to do this war on guns right now. It's semi-automatic yeah. and assault weapons and stuff like that. It just doesn't work. Uh, and we're just going to create more problems. But yeah. if someone is using meth on the street and they're choosing to stay there and they don't want to leave and it's around your family and it's around your home. So this is where well, libertarians really excel, right? This, 
what, what we have, <laughs> what we don't like in libertarianism is uh, public property, right? We think right. private property should reign. Oh, and okay. so when you look at roads or sidewalks or parks or whatever it is, first and foremost in libertarianism, property rights reign. So yeah. if you're on my sidewalk and you're shooting up meth, man, I'm going to tell you, you got to go. And with private security forces and stuff like that, which you can pay for out of and you will have better responses they and and let's let's talk about this for a second a lot yeah. of people can't get to the idea of a private security force right right why why on earth do we think the government does security well <laughs> like it, it, it absolutely boggles my mind everything that they do they create problems and then they try to cr bandage problems with more problems and it just never ever fucking works so mm -hmm. when we look at you know private market solutions can you imagine if chick-fil-a ran police forces your customer service would be through the roof absolutely <laughs> yeah. through the roof and you could have competing contracts so if your contract says listen we're, we're only going after these hardcore criminals we're only going to go after people who rape murder uh who co coerce who uh steal who are vandals you know the really hey you can actually point your finger at these people and go that's a criminal, like a real no kidding criminal. Right. We have a we have a solution for that that these guys, they have a limited amount of resources and they have a limited amount of money and they're trying to please their customer base. So what are they going to do? They're going to use the their resources like we use our resources for the best return on investment, ROI. It's the private market through and through. And if they're trying to make sure that you're a happy customer and you got a guy that's shooting up heroin on the, on your street corner, man, I'll tell you right now, not only are they going to probably approach this guy a little bit differently than with like their nine millimeters out ready to just blast this guy into oblivion, right? They're probably right. going to be like, hey, here's a Chick-fil-A sandwich. And at the same time, um, hey, let's, let's get you off this guy's private property and yeah. maybe take you to a charitable area that we can at least introduce you to something in terms of mental health. It's not going to be a perfect world. And that's what I'll tell you right now. This is, this is what libertarians get hit with all the time. Well, and you're a utopia. No, it's not a utopia. Right. We, right. We just default to this position that right. the state is not the answer because it yes. is force and coercion. We, the 99.999% of us go throughout our day without doing violence to anybody else. And, and that's the way everything should be. Yeah. I, yeah. Every time, every like critique I see, which I talk to all my family members who think libertarians, bunch of full of shit stuff. Uh, <laughs> like, because they think it's like a utopia, they take the utopian no. uh, idea and I'm with you at why I'm just like, well, it, is it better than what we're doing now is the question that you should ask. And if it, the answer is yes, then you should ask why and and can we change something new and i think it's just like fear i think people yes. are genuinely scared of the idea of freedom well all right let's let's back up all right so okay. you 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 nailed it in 100% why is that though yeah yeah <laughs> nailed it yes so you got to ask yourself why is everybody scared you Another great author, John Taylor Gatto, look him up, 30-year veteran of the New York school system, teacher of the year, and he wrote against the school system. You ever wonder why America is educated the way it is? 
America's education system came from Prussia in the 1700s from progressives who were trying to homogenize their state so that there was a single state culture so that when they said, hey, go to work, they had workforce. And now when we need to go over there and kick those guys' asses and spill blood, you had a populace that was ready to mobilize, send their young men to kick ass, and then the people around them to mechanize behind them, right? That was the purpose of the progressive system that was implemented in Prussia in the 1700s. That was brought over here in the 1860s and 1870s by a guy named Horace Mann. And those guys did it for the same reason. And then Henry Ford and John Carnegie on the backside of that funded the hell out of it and said, we need these guys for our industry. So, yep, make them smart enough to read, make them smart enough to do a little bit of math, make them smart enough to push the levers and buttons and all that kind of bullshit. And then we got them. We got them. Mm. Same, about the same time, they're instituting the 1913 uh, you know, Federal Reserve Act in, in D.C. under Woodrow Wilson. Not a coincidence. All this stuff gets pushed in this giant progressive you know, movement in the early 1900s. And then all of a sudden, now, 100 years later, we're sitting there going like, what happened? They took you at five years old. Five years old, and they indoctrinated 99.9% of us in government, youth, indoctrination camps. You stood up every morning, you said the Pledge of Allegiance. And I know this is not a popular thing to say with Republicans, but I will tell you, when you do this every day, this is indoctrination. If you have state-approved knowledge... This is indoctrination. And to think that it's across the board, what a limited scope of view. The the question then becomes is like, what should it be? What are you passionate about? What is your Mm. purpose? What is your gift to give back to humanity? Why aren't you practicing this? Why aren't you, you know, carrying on, I don't know, a family business, entrepreneurship, understanding economics, not Keynesian economics that they teach at, you know, all of these places, but like Austrian economics where savings and peace and consent are a thing, not the manipulation yeah. and the speculators. I'm telling you, like this, that this is the reason why we fear. We were told so many things: the war on drugs, dare, you know, all, you know, all, all this <laughs> bullshit about drugs in general. Right? Has anybody ever smoked a ball as a Republican? Has anybody done some mushrooms? What do you want to kill? You what do you want? You you literally after after pot you want to go and have a bag of Doritos and after mushrooms you probably want some fruit, and that's it. That's all. That's you want peace and love and happiness and you want to be left the fuck alone. Like <laughs> that's the thing is like once you just start destroying that fear, which I I I'm gonna tell you right now, psychedelics destroy fear, and that's why they are yeah. absolutely banned across the globe thanks to the Catholic Church, and that goes back even further. But when when we start looking at this from a an objective angle, this is why the American public was so easy to manipulate in 2020 is because they used weapons grade defense psychological operations in terms of fear. You never had a chance because they took you at five years old. Dang. First of all, I'm offended. I'm a, I'm an ex teacher. (laughs) So is my wife. So is my wife, man. I know. I, I was like a special education teacher. I wasn't the real thing. I just helped the kids that needed more help. Uh, oh, there's a special education pledge allegiance joke in there somewhere. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> there has to be. Uh, but you're right. I freaking hate public school. I I left it for a reason. Yeah. I am doing what I do for a reason because I I couldn't take it, especially as a male, especially as somebody who has uh, thinks outside the box. Uh, I'm not welcome. I tried to. 
uh, I tried to apply to be a history teacher. I was like the favorite, the favorite uh, person teacher on staff for all the middle school boys. And I was just like, this is a shoe in. They, they already love me. The kids love me. They know I, I work well with kids. And they started asking me questions about how I would teach. And they didn't like any of my answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it wasn't like tests and homework. And like, it wasn't like just the repetitive wheel bullshit that we do in school all the time of like, well, we got to make sure these kids are learning. How else are we supposed to learn? I'm like, this kid's in sixth grade. Yeah. What is he really learning? <laughs> like, like, what are we talking about here? Um, interesting. Yeah, I like that. I think I think I remember you talking about that on stage uh, uh, for the debate, and I clipped up a clip of you talking about uh, uh, private school and just like uh, going into the community, and all the leftists and <laughs> people on the right too yeah. hated what I had to say and hated what you had to say because they think it's. They just, they can't see it. <laughs> they're, just well, like, they're like, this is a stupid idea. It would never work. Well, and that's, and, and, and here's the, the greatest trick of the government, right? Is they put these people in your lives at a granular level. Those people, like, I don't know, like my teachers and, and you know, Miss White, Miss Black, Miss Smith, whoever, dude, they were great people. They were, I mean, seriously, some of the nicest, warmest, most loving people who had hearts of gold that didn't know the history of their own profession. My right. wife didn't know the history of her own profession until she read John Taylor Gatto. And then oh. she was like, holy shit. I was like, yeah, there's a reason why they don't teach you this in, in your profession. It's because you would probably walk out of the fucking room and take up something right. different. So, yeah, man, like it's, it is hard to hear because you have good memories you have friends lifelong friends that you met during those years you did learn some things it's not that you didn't but here's the thing is is if it could be done differently if it could be done to tailor education to each and every person then what would it be and the thing is i'll tell you what it wouldn't be it wouldn't be standardized not even in the least right not even close Right. As a teacher, too, that was like the thing we were always teaching is like teaching for the standardized tests and making sure the kids do well so that we can get more money. And that was like always the thing. It was more important that they just do well and then on the state tests than it was for them to actually know what the hell they're talking about. (laughs) You you got a question in there uh, from Gary. It says, ask Shane, guns or no guns? Uh, he keeps asking. He also wants to know. Uh, yeah, guns. yeah. We, we always show the guns. Uh, on the lots show. of guns, baby. And whatever <laughs> okay. guns you want <laughs> with suppressors, please, I, so I don't have to hear you shoot. <laughs> I think he also wants to know if you voted for Trump. We have a lot of uh, Trumpers in my chat. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Trump? Well, boy, here's going to be some unpopular stuff, guys, but it's the truth. Listen. Say it. It's I, I don't have TWS, you know I really don't. Or is is that what it's called? Trump? No, T T T D S, right? Like, see, yeah. I can't. No, I, I. Here's the thing: is I think Trump is more American than most Republicans these days. I do. However, and I'm you know here's the big butt, right? Yes. I think he's a New York Democrat. I think he's always been a New York Democrat from the 1970s, from the 1980s. I think he's a New York Democrat. What didn't sit well with me with Trump was the gun statement, right? The violation of the Fourth Amendment where he's like, take the guns first and then due process later. And I was yes, like, no, yes. man, that's not the Constitution. And the, and the bump stocks. 
And then the ATF went out and was like, we're going to redefine, you know, what a, what a automatic weapon is in terms of firing rate. And so now you can throw an apparatus on a gun, but next, you know, what do they have to do? They have to ban belt loops for anybody that understands, you know, how to rapid fire where you stick your thumb through, you know, your redneck hole and then pull on that, you know, that booger picker stick and like <laughs> it's over. Right. So they can't do that. So Trump, Trump really lost me with that kind of stuff. Um, okay. when, when he renewed the, uh, the Patriot act, when he renewed, uh, the, the, the FISA courts, when he renewed the Patriot act, I was like, I was like, you know what? He's entertaining. And is he better than Biden? Yeah, he's better than Biden. Um, but at the end of the day, I was just like, I need more. And I, that's the thing is I'm not one of those guys that settles anymore. And, and I stopped doing that 2008 ish when I voted for Ron Paul, when it was McCain versus Obama. And here's the thing is having been in the middle East, you know, you could have probably said, Oh, you know what? I bet if we're, if McCain's president, he's just going to bomb these guys right off the face of the map. And then what happened? Barack Obama comes in there and then claims the title for more bombs dropped than anybody ever. It was like every 30 seconds he was dropping a bomb and just like, well, I don't know. So my conscience in terms of like writing in Ron Paul in 2008, like that was my guy. And I left that booth and I was just like, wow. Now I don't have to defend whoever wins. That was the most uh, freeing feeling in terms of like recognizing some powers. Like I don't have to be associated with either one of these assholes. And I wish mm. more people were willing to stand alone and not you know worry about followers and things like that. Because when you start to buck back against the system, which is happening more and more, 20% of people are Democrats, 20% percent of America is Democrats and then you have like 60 percent of people who's not and so they either vote libertarian or green or they're independent and they don't vote at all so basically 60 percent of America doesn't agree with the 20 percent that's voting on who's ruling everybody so hmm. you know like I said there are positive and negatives about both and they all kind of carry over but at the end of the day what do you get with both Democrats and Republicans? It's force and coercion. You get spending. You get people who are incentivized by the Federal Reserve, by their, their cronies who get the money first and then, you know, obviously put it back into politics. And that's it. And those are the people you get recycled and regurgitated until the Fed ends. This will be the way it is. But the good news is the Fed's coming to an end pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> what, with news. the Fed coin? <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? Well, XRP, <laughs> Ripple, all that, you know, all the bullshit crypto, crypto stuff, minus Bitcoin, which is not the same. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's all coming to an end because they don't have an answer for what's happening with Bitcoin right now. Yeah. What is... Um... Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> you ready? You going to open that can of worms? Let's go. Uh, well, well, let me just answer, ask this question first. Uh, Papa wants to know, like, how... How do you convince somebody to vote for other than the two parties? And I always wonder too, is like, is a third party option ever going to be viable? Well, so here's the deal is when, when we look at quote unquote, the constitutional Republic, which I will tell you, we're not, 
Um, we're not even a damn democracy anymore. Right, right. Thank you. If anything, we're, we're, a, we're a banana republic and or an <sighs> oligarchy or a communist state. And I always say we're a corporatist or an oligarchy. Yeah, kind of fascist, right? Like you yeah. know, when, when you got um, you know this uh, Pierre lady who's up there answering questions from reporters talking about you know what is the federal government going to do to reel in Elon Musk and, and free speech. <laughs> oh my speak. God, that question yesterday. Dude. <laughs> that was the worst. And I couldn't like, believe that. Well, we're keeping an eye on it, but here's the thing is Elon Musk has an entire platform that is the most viral platform on earth that is now right. uncensored to a degree, and these people are shitting their pants. Mm. Um, the I, I, I got off track. The original question um, from uh, your, your, your guy out there uh, on YouTube, and excuse me if I – Papa, um, <laughs> is how do we convince people? Here's the thing is. I'm not here to convince you to vote third party. I'm not, right. you know, third party is a protest vote. If you have runoffs and stuff depends, you know, I'm not going to tell you never vote Republican like Thomas Massey. Good guy, man. Rand Paul. Yeah. I know both of them. They're pretty good dudes. Um, but at the, here's the thing is it doesn't matter because no matter what those people do, you have way more power to act at your local level with your mm. sheriff, who is the executive who can nullify any law per Article 5 and Article 6 of the Constitution that's not withstanding of the Constitution per Article 6, Section 2 of the Constitution. So when when we're talking about like, you know, voting third party, like I'm I'm never I'm not gonna tell you third parties are ever gonna win at the federal level. I'm not gonna ever tell you that. They're right. not. Will they win at local levels? They do sometimes here and there where they can run on a ballot. Um, but at the at the end of the day, you know. It's not. I don't. I don't even know how secure voting is, right? Like, it, it, I don't know. Like, okay, you want to go cast a vote? Great. It doesn't mean something if it's a QR code. Can you actually? Can you read a QR code? Because I can't read a QR code. It'll say the names you voted for below. Does that actually mean that that's what's going into the machine? No, not not actually. <laughs> so you've got we've got a lot of giant issues that I would tell you. I wouldn't worry about so much voting third party or even at the federal level. I would be very concerned with what your sheriff is enforcing. I would be concerned with what your mayors are telling your police chiefs to enforce and what not mm -hmm. to enforce. And that's where you can have the greatest effect, especially on your local lives. So, you know, take it, for, take it from a guy who's done some work here and doing uh, things like nullification for um, civil asset forfeiture, cannabis and psilocybin in North Georgia, and it's becoming effective. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've always said, like, I'm more concerned about my attorney general than I am my state attorney general than my president. Yeah. I mean, especially after COVID. I mean, if that doesn't tell you anything, I don't, I don't know what will. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I just, so what is your thoughts on, like, the one critique that I see is, like, might be a viable critique when it comes to libertarianism is the corporation thing. It's like, which corp which corporation do we allow to run our lives for the day kind of thing you know oh, okay yeah. like if it's a blackrock or if it's an amazon and we're just like yeah well if everyone's free and there's no regulations it, you know obviously those people are going to be the most powerful of the land and so what is what is the push what is your thoughts on that okay so let's we're going to have to talk money we're going to have to talk federal reserve and we're going to have to talk communications protocol 
Ready, kids? Here we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, everybody's like, oh, I really needed a nap. So the, um, the, the, the communications protocol between human beings, what is it? If you don't know a person and you want to transact with them, we, the normal people of the world that don't have the badges and the guns, that sit there and say, give us your money through force and coercion. What do we have to do? We have to meet people through ideas, through consent. We have to trade with people. We have to provide either a good or a service to somebody to trade with them money. What is money? Money is just something that we agree on holds a certain amount of value. And when you start to look at who creates money, how money has been created, the history of money, this is where Austrian economists really kick ass in terms of Austrian versus Keynesians. Right now, what you have in power and what you've had in power for over 100 years are the Keynesians. The Keynesians live on a debt enslavement type of economy. So when you look at a dollar, let's just say I have a dollar, I am the Federal Reserve, I make it, now I loan it to you. You owe me a dollar, but you also owe me interest. So how are you ever going to pay me back the interest in dollars if I give you a dollar? You're never going to be able to. That's debt and enslavement. Now, here's the other thing with Keynesian economies. Keynesian economies, you have to spend more money faster all the time as Keynesians or else you get recessions and then depressions if it goes on long enough. So in, in our case right now, what you're seeing is these people trying to keep the economy alive by spending trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. The problem was, is when you unpegged from gold in the 19, uh, in, in 1972 or 1971 under Brenton Woods II agreement, and then, you know, Richard Nixon defaulted on the gold standard and said, right. hey, listen, we're not giving France our money. We're not giving the Netherlands our money. We're not giving any of these European powers that loaned us money in gold. We're not giving that back. Here's a Federal Reserve IOU note that's worth nothing. So when they, right, inflation went through the roof, we had the interest rate spike up to over 20-something percent. You know, when you're looking at house loans in like 1977 at 22%, that was a cause and effect relationship when you unpegged from gold. So when, when you did that, now you have to come down all the time in your interest rate. The problem is we basically got to zero. And when you get to zero, there's nowhere else for the Federal Reserve to go. So what do they have to do? Now they're going to say, well, to slow inflation, we're going to have to start to you know jack up the, uh, the interest rate. And what mm -hmm. does that do? That slows down the economy. You go into a recession. It goes on long enough, you go into a depression. I will tell you, saw this coming in 2019 as Austrians were like, oh, it's here again, guys. Like, buckle up. And that's when you saw the UK get out of the European Union with Brexit. Right and a soft departure because they didn't trust the banks and they didn't trust the politicians over there with their resources. So how do we fix this? I know it's not going to be popular, but you have to have hard assets. You have to have, yes, you have to have something that's valuable. So what makes money valuable? All right, here's Carl Menger, 1800s Austrian economist. What makes money, you know, really valuable? It has to have what's called a high stock to flow ratio, which means it has to be saleable, liquid, has to be saleable over time, space, scales, and it has to have proof of work. Those are the four attributes that make hard money. So gold, right? Gold, right. saleable over time because you can't inflate gold. 
gold has an inflation rate of about 1.5% a year. You can't chemically make it. You can't, you know, you have gold itself is proof of work that some dudes went out and struggled to get a couple flakes of gold to bring it into town and be like, what could I get for this? (laughs) Or kids. Right. Yes, exactly right. So that's proof of work. Now, follow me here. Now, you run into this thing called the Byzantine General's Problem, where now moving gold around the world is kind of a tough thing to do in a world type of economy where it's trying to keep up with the internet right so what do they do they created fiat now fiat's really good at moving around now this is the saleable over space part if you can move money around the world fast then you can settle remittances really quickly this is super this is super valuable in terms of helping people trade it's not so good in retaining value because cash when it's not backed by anything they can inflate it to the moon which is a tax on you your savings and everything that you've ever worked for now uh over scales how scalable is gold well you can divide gold down to damn near anything right because flakes and sheets and everything else now with dollars and cents and all yes also scalable the problem is, is gold and fiat don't do all of these things. And, and fiat is not proof of work, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a money that is saleable over time, can't be inflated, that can be moved through remittance around the world in record time, that's over space. And then over scales, is it scalable to the entire population of the globe? And is it freely traded where there's no rulers, just rules for everybody? There is one thing in this world that does that and does it better than everything else, and it has a higher stock-to-flow ratio than gold, and that is Bitcoin. Mm. I, I hope people's minds are absolutely melting. And when when it's this simple to explain to people, and you go, not cryptos, not all that other stuff. Cryptos are centralized. Cryptos right. are fiat currencies that are a distraction from what the original was Bitcoin, when they nailed it, and, and here's the thing is, Bitcoin wasn't the original. A lot of people are like, oh yeah, Bitcoin was the original. No, Bitcoin was what lasted because they finally got it right. And Bitcoin, launched in 2008, was the answer to when they fucked us the last time and the last stock market meltdown and they bailed out the banks and they bailed out the corporations. A lot of cypherpunks said, never fucking again. And they got together and they said, this is how we saw it through cryptographic communication with an energy barrier, proof of work, blockchain technology that fixes all of this kind of stuff and this is me to you it's internet cash that they can't they can't screw with at the end of the day if you hold your keys to your cold wallet which is like a savings account and now you're your own bank it's over for those guys and they don't have an answer for that because they can't shut down every node that's running a copy of the blockchain every 10 minutes in real time they can't do it Okay. Yeah. No, I like to, I, I, I see the path and I enter, like, I just, this is what creates a a better incentivized world. This changes culture altogether. Yes. So if, if you can't print money out of thin air as a federal reserve (laughs) and then give it to your special interest groups, then that buy politicians. Now what happens? This starts to dissolve. The power of the state no longer has the power of force and coercion because there's nothing to come after because they can't take your Bitcoin. This is what changes society, and this is what everybody's so damn worried about. This is what the you know the, the mega powers on the planet, the banks, not not the corporations, 
not the government, the banks. The greatest, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever told or ever did was convince the world that it didn't exist, right? Nobody right. fucking blames the banks. It's the banks, people. It's not the corporations. It's not the government. Are they guilty parties? Of course they are. But the root of the evil is the banks. Mm. What is what are your thoughts on Well, I just so I I totally I'm with you on the Bitcoin thing. There's like a part of me though that's like I'm just waiting for some kind of government regulation that they're going to impose yeah. on. Doesn't and, matter. And how do you get around things like I know, like uh, what uh, exchanges, Coinbase, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like what's the so, safest Coinbase to use? Well, all right. So exchanges are exchanges. Um, now, right. you will find um, guys out there. Um, like Swan Bitcoin, there are what what are called Bitcoin maximalists, and I hope you find. If you want to find them through me, I will I will tune you in to Bitcoin maximalists. They don't shitcoin. They don't do any other crypto, right? Like gotcha. they, it is Bitcoin, and it is Bitcoin only. That is the mission, and it is a better vehicle than libertarianism than spreading this, right? So when when you look at exchanges, when you go to a foreign country, what do you do? You trade your money in an exchange. They give you ruples or they give you dinars or whatever it is you're exchanging for. Right. Same thing as crypto, only you don't have to you know, go to the airport. You don't have to go to Western Union. You don't have to do any of this remittance bullshit. Now, with these people who will do exchanges like Swan Bitcoin, they're not even technically exchanged. There are miners out there. People who mine Bitcoin are rewarded through the incentivized you know, protocol to mine Bitcoin because they get it and then they can sell it and then they can live. Um, when when this when this happens, they can't be regulated, right? Like miners, what are you going to do? You can't do anything to those guys because they exist here, they exist there, wherever. You can't shut all of them down. Uh, and you can buy straight from a lot of those people. So get if you buy Bitcoin, you better buy it and you better put it in your own cold wallet. Get it off exchanges. That's okay. That's my advice to everybody. Okay, and uh, that makes sense. What are your thoughts on like, I thought, didn't the Fed last week start to make an initial for a Fed coin coming out? Like during Thanksgiving, yeah. they just secretly dropped it. I think I read something. Well, somewhere. so so Bernanke's actually publicly talked about this out loud, right? He's talked about his white papers on, you know, a, a, a what's called a central bank digital currency. And this right. is this is your choice. A central bank digital currency, which is issued by the the central bank, the Fed, um, is going to come into existence, and they're going to pay government employees first, and they're going to pay government contractors right, first, right. and they're going to dangle carrots in front of people with badges and guns to do heinous shit. And if you don't do it, you're not getting paid. Also, if you're like us and you're a thorn in the side of the banks the state the the you know the zombie corporations that live off of the government if you're a thorn in the side of those people what are you going to get you're going to get a social credit score just like the ccp you're going to be able to travel you're going to be able to get loans you're going to be able to do any of that kind of stuff is your money your money it's not bitcoin's your money are us dollars your money nope it's not it are are is silver gold and all those certificates if you know, like if it's not in your possession that's not your money either right this okay. is something for people to, to really understand. So this is your choice. Force and coercion with central bank digital currencies, or you get Bitcoin, and that is peace and consent. Is it perfect? No. Is it digital dollars that are fiat bullshit that control everybody? Absolutely not. And that's what crypto is as well. And really, if you look at history, 
the U.S. dollar is one of like the first digital currencies because only about 30% of it is actually in the banks. The rest of it is just thin air zeros and ones on some, you know, ledger server that they have, you know, tucked away somewhere. <laughs> okay. All right. I no, I like it. Like I like the idea of it. I think people <clears throat> that aren't completely aware of it watched it just tumble. Yeah. And and so they were like, "Oh, just like all the other coins, they're all bull crap." So let yeah let's let's address this a little bit because yeah please today one bitcoin is one bitcoin and if it's in your wallet you can trade it with anybody on the planet um, the the code for bitcoin has not changed it has not forked it has not you know done anything it's been you know the the block height has been increasing I think we're at damn near seven hundred thousand blocks of Bitcoin, you know, so every 10 minutes, there's a new block that records every transaction there is. It hasn't changed. If you look at the volatility in markets, what you're seeing is manipulation of the US dollar, you've seen $8 trillion printed into existence in the last two years under both Democrats and Republicans, right? So if you've just introduced $8 trillion, which by the way, took the US up till Barack Obama to do 235 years to acquire that much debt, eight trillion dollars, and now we're sitting at 30 trillion, and we did eight trillion in two years. It's over. Um, this this idea that that's not the volatile market, just because right. it's got you know trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in it, it's you're looking at what is market cap. Market cap is how much money is in this area. So Bitcoin, you're looking at probably somewhere around, you know, if it's at 15, 16, you're probably looking at somewhere around $300 billion in Bitcoin right now. When it was at $69 or whatever it was, I think we're sitting at right around a trillion dollars uh, in Bitcoin. We made, you know, major news. The thing is, is this value for Bitcoin doesn't change. And once you start to introduce mm. having to people, so every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that is mined is cut in half. So we won't actually mine the last Bitcoin until 2140. And when you see that one Bitcoin today is not only you know not inflationary, it's actually deflationary money. What you're talking about is over time, as people lose their keys, as they lose their cold wallets, as things are gone, your money is actually worth more. So now let's zoom way out. If you wanted to buy the earth, the earth is about you know $400 trillion worth of assets. It is. And when you, I mean, that's land, that's bonds, that's foreign exchanges, that's everything. Um, total debt on the earth right now is about $400 trillion. Now, if you were to take 10% of that, which is what gold is, right? 10% of that is gold. And that's about a $10 billion uh, market. You would be looking at over $2 million a Bitcoin minimum. That's just 10%. So this is the most asymmetric asset you could possibly own. Hey, it, I'm not telling you, go out and do it. Do, do, do some research, do, you know, read some books. The Bitcoin standard, the fiat standard by a guy named Sofaldin Amos are great starting places. Uh, the block size wars and um, uh, the bullish case for Bitcoin uh, are all extremely good books. And I'm going to tell you, I'm a guy that's got, you know, probably close to damn 10,000 hours in on Bitcoin and studying it versus the other cryptocurrencies and 
Austrian economics. Like these two are, they are harmonious. They are built, um, you know, Bitcoin is built on Austrian principles. So, you know, go out, study it, maybe get a little, if it pans out, you know, it might actually be worth something. Um, but just, just word to the wise. How much Bitcoin do you have? Ah, <laughs> my, 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 my cold wallet got lost in a boating accident with all my guns. Oh yeah. Same with my. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> do you go to the Bitcoin conferences in Miami or whatever? Yeah, I went. Uh, I went this year oh, in 2022. Absolutely, some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. It is a giant kumbaya. We love each other. Some of the smartest people. I mean, I'm literally the smartest people I have ever met. Like I interviewed a guy that worked for SpaceX last night as their one of their lead software developers, who's creating yeah. this thing called TrueVote that works off of the Bitcoin blockchain. For voting so there is absolutely no tampering and none of that kind of stuff his name is brett morrison awesome guy yeah i started listening to that podcast a little bit i was i was like wow that's an interesting that's an interesting thought <laughs> speaking of like bitcoin and conferences and stuff like that what why does it seem like what's the why does it seem like every libertarian i would say besides you uh is to be uh is just like autistic or <laughs> just kind of weird just kind of weird dudes and like they're like <laughs> it's not, Dude, not I mean, you. i'm kind of not a, i'm kind of a weird guy man i mean no, uh, no 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 you are normal i've talked to other libertarian people and, and it's always been like this like like uh everything's black and white and it's like well there's no gray area and so it's like i think i think what i mentioned earlier um I'm going to, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I'm going to tell you psychedelics. Um, okay. Um, and, and empathy, the ability to understand where other people are coming from, where, yeah. where, like, this is a journey. Like I did, man, I'll tell you, um, when I started down this road, I was not an Austrian, you know, I was definitely not into economies. I was not into understanding things at a much deeper level than what was provided to me by places like Fox news or, you know, like uh, literally, I mean, I yeah. was, I was that guy growing up and I mean, literally, same, same. And so when I wasn't questioning, when I wasn't thinking, when I was taking the narrative, when I was taking talking points and I was going to battle with liberals every day off of talking points instead of going and hey you know what i used to be there i can empathize with you as where i used to be this is a, this is this is difficult because here's the thing is it's a journey and until you get to the point where you can empathize where you can see and you're not just pissed right because that's the thing a lot of people wake up and they're just like <laughs> You know, veins I, are I go, popping. I go through that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Veins are popping out of their head and their neck. And they're yeah. like, hey, you fucking idiot. Like, I I was there. I get it. Okay. Man. I was a okay. giant rage monster. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, man, you were at one point, you were figuring this shit out, man. And you you didn't have any answers. You didn't have, you know, what, what the concrete bedrock, the principle was. So, hey, extend a little grace extend some knowledge tell some stories like this is i think one of the things that most people miss right is like what mm. is your experience what have you overcome what have you seen what are your mistakes what are your failings and shortcomings and what have you persevered through what have been those nuggets because for me failing wasn't a, ever a problem right i was i was very good at failing um but i i would fail fast and i wouldn't look at my failures as negatives i looked at them as 
these teaching moments. Like this was this was something that I could you know glean something is like okay, it didn't work this way. Let's try it this way, or let me learn from that guy. Like if you're super if you're super bright and intelligent, you can pick up on other people's mistakes, yeah. and you go, man, like maybe I shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. This this is the difference I think in what happens with a lot of libertarians out there that are mad, they're pissed, they're paying taxes, which they think are theft. They're dealing <laughs> yeah. with a system of like you know twenty percent that have ruled over their lives for way too long, and I think there I think a lot of people are mad and they don't realize that people who are coming into the space are new to the space. They're not going to be you know guys like me. They're, you're like not overnight. It takes a lot of damn reading. It takes a lot of listening. It takes a lot of study. Um, and that's it. I, mean, it's, it's, I think that's the difference. That's awesome. Yeah, you didn't have an Aleppo moment. So that's that's a W in my book. <laughs> yeah. you know? Foreign policy is foreign policy. Let's uh, let's not do any of that shit. Let's, uh, yeah. let's fix some of our own stuff. Yeah, or the Arizona libertarian who started talking about age of consent for sex or something on stage. I was like, whoa, where are we going with this? Oh, yeah. What the hell, dude? Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, oh, wood chippers for pedos, man. Like, what are you talking about? Like, the, <laughs> yeah, we we yeah. put we put down dogs for biting kids. Like, fuck. I mean, I don't know. Pedos? Yeah, you're going to the wood chipper, dude. But like, you just mentioned something that just uh, triggered something in me, where I'm just like, dealing with failure. Mm. I think is like, a really. I would love to learn from you from that. As somebody who, you you were looking at what was going on in the world, and you're like. I can make a difference. Like I have a vision. I have like desire to, to make people's lives better. I know the answer and then not winning and not progressing. And how did you deal with that, that feeling? And like, did you surround yourself around people or, or did you go talk to someone or was it all just psychedelics? <laughs> um, well, you know, like a little bit of it was, um, it was an internal thing. Um, mm. you got to get over what other people think first and foremost, right? Like, Hey, listen, um, if, if, yeah. if you're into, if, if, if winning is all that matters to you, you'll win tyranny, mm. right? We're winning tyranny in this country every fucking day because somebody's yeah. team won and Hey, it's more tyranny, right? Like, <laughs> Fuck! Like at some point you got to be like, no man. Like I don't care if it's tyranny slower or like Michael Malice says, you know, Republican Republicans are just Democrats driving the speed limit. Oh man, it's tough, right? (laughs) Um, How how do you deal with knowing you're gonna lose? Uh, And that was that was a really uh, tough thing, right? Like that was a. uh, You have to get to that point where you're like, no man, I'm gonna learn. I'm not going to lose. I'm going to learn. I'm going to readjust what the mission is. I'm going to readjust what the purpose of a run like for governor is. I'm going to readjust what my run for 2020 as a senator was. Like I'm going to lose. What can I do with a soapbox and talking to people? And here we are. Here we're, we're having this conversation because I was like, you know what? I can take these ideas. I can put them out there. I will get a fraction a i mean like and we're talking about a rounding error of a percent of the news coverage of these assholes God. but in a moment where i got to actually hang around on the same you know stage and breathe the same air as these elitist you know pompous bullshit <laughs> politicians yeah you guys heard something and here we are we're talking about more things with more audiences and, and things like that so it's um it's it's just perspective it's like man if, if you're one of those positive people that can see 
failure as a as a positive instead of a negative which also your indoctrination told you you got to pass every time you can't fail right like if you fail you're a dummy if you fail you're not as good as the other kids if you fail you're you're not going to be on the dean's list like all these things that you were indoctrinated with learn to fail and fail fast and then look at where you're struggling and where you're banging your head against the wall and make adjustments and and i'll tell you what this is this is the spiritual side you know this is you know i don't i don't claim to be of a specific religion Uh, i grew up as a christian um but you know having you know breach the, uh, the the continuum with you know things like psilocybin um, you start to th- see it as a very different thing than they wanted you to see it as and so when you're you're starting to see this I don't know this, this process of living your life man you get one that's it you know there's this thing going mm-hmm. around on um, Instagram it's like every man lives two lives and and doesn't and 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 realizes it starts living as oh god I've, i totally fucked this one up but um he really starts living when he realizes he only has one so when you right, realize like right. you get one go at this man what did you do with it did you stand did you take a stand for freedom did you take a stand for liberty did you take a stand for your neighbors to just say you got to leave them alone what what are you willing to fight for what does your life mean and like that passion should be enough to help you detach yourself from this mob of like you know, like, oh man, I got followers or I got likes or whatever, you know, that dopamine hit is. Yeah. Or like, hey man, like, I understand, you know, you're mad. I understand you disagree with me. Like, what is it going to be? You're going to fight everybody on Twitter? You're going to fight everybody on Facebook? You Like, no, you're going to sit there and be either you're going to ignore it or you're going to embrace this person with a Socratic method where you're going to start to maybe distill some knowledge through the cognitive dissidence and everything else. And, you know, if you can, man, if you can do these kind of things, you can walk between tribes and the, the people that can walk between tribes in peace and, and give knowledge and, and things like that, man, those are like, those are God's people. Like those are, those are the people that we need to start like looking for and like, oh, I see him there. I see him here. I see this person over there. It's like, yeah. hey man, let's put away our silly little monikers because they're not getting us anywhere. Um, I've been experiencing the same damn stuff, only worse time and time again. It's like, well, you can call me a libertarian. You can call me, I don't care. Like, and I'm not, I don't care. It's like, I will go and break bread with somebody. We'll talk, we'll have discussions. We'll talk about like family. We'll talk about passions. We'll talk about, you know, what your aspirations are is like, what are you doing in life to not hate your life? What are you doing in life to where, you know, you're separating yourself from the machine? What are you doing in life to separate yourself from everything that they told you you had to be like at the end of the day, did you take a step towards freedom? Did you take a step towards being independent? Like that's a verb. Can they take away your food supply? If you can't, that's a very hard person to tell what they have to do. Can they take away your job? If they can't take away your job, that is a very hard person to like tell them what to do. Uh, if you are, you know, independent with water and energy or heat and all that, you're, you're living something that was, you know, the idea of America. And, and I think that's, what's probably been lost is like the idea of independence that we celebrate July 4th and July 2nd and July 3rd every year. That is, 
it, it's a you know it's a nice gesture, but at the end of the day, if you were celebrating independence, you'd have a garden, you'd have some chickens, you might have some goats, you might have a little bit of land, you might be doing whatever it is that you know to move towards those things. Is it easy? No. Is it mm. is it understandable by most of society? No. But at the end of the day, is it rewarding? Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, man. Like I'm a homesteader. And so like I get to feed my kids venison, bear. I get to feed them, you know, things that I, you know, produce in a garden, chicken eggs, you, like all of these things that are, you know, what I think independence actually is. It's just the ability to tell the man to fuck off. I love that. So what would you tell somebody like me that lives in a fucking apartment? <laughs> How, dude, and miss and miss the bubble hey you're you're 20 right no <laughs> i'm way older dude yeah but you're like you're, you're like you're in your 20s no i'm th- i'm in my 30s you're in your 30s so was i before i got it like like the, yeah. the, the the light for me didn't switch on until i was about 33 years old and okay, well, in 10 years yeah hey it's okay it's now it's like okay what are you willing to say you know what I can downsize. I don't need this shit anymore. I can do it this way. I can start out from meager beginnings. And I'll tell you when I did that, when I stopped with, you know, the the corporateness and all that other bullshit and I really simplified my life, started having a family and moving towards this goal, that was the first step in the most daunting task uh, that I've, you know, that I've had. And I've, I'm telling you, you know, I've I've done a lot of things, you know, if I fought through Fallujah, went into Marine Special Operations, like, like all these things, you know, to become independent, to shrug off what society thinks of you, man, to move into that place where like most people wouldn't survive. Like that's a, mm-hmm. that's a, it's a, it's a giant, 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 it's a path. It's, it, it's a journey and you, you've got to chip away with it. You've got to little by little. It's like, all right, let's downsize. And I'll tell you, when I started doing it, those early years where I had nothing, where I was eating like mac and cheese and hot dogs and bullshit, you know, like I was like, man, (laughs) these are actually some of the best years of my life because they're more intimate, they're more humble. And when you go through that kind of stuff, especially with, you know, like your wife and your kids and everything else, it, it creates character. Yeah. No, I love that. No, I, I just, I am a late bloomer and I decided to get my master's degree later in life and I'm the idiot that paid for it. And now I'm watching people get debt forgiveness. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Jesus. I'm like war- bust my ass working DoorDash to pay, <laughs> pay for the stupid degree. Uh, yeah. but so do you, do you feel like, uh, leaving the city and kind of living in a rural area is uh, just healthier for you and a better off for me it is um and and this isn't for everybody can you can you be independent in suburbia and maybe even in um a city it's possible i i haven't done it and there are people who have you know if that's your kind of lifestyle that's the vibe you like then do it like what it you i will tell you if you find your passion it's much easier to do these kind of things. If if being independent isn't your passion, oh, don't try. Please don't try. You're going to fail spectacularly. Um, yeah. But if, if independence is your passion and that is what you will toil for day and night and, and think about, it's something that you will realize. And, and 
uh, here's you know another trick of the universe, right? Is like if you're having these internal monologues, if you're setting goals internally, whether it's through prayer or meditation, you know whatever it is that you do, reinforcing that that vibration that is set in the back of that mind. Now that it becomes subconscious in your lower mind, that starts to feed what your actions are in your higher mind. In your higher mind, you know, the the prefrontal cortex, the uh, PFC, right? The mm-hmm. prefrontal cortex is where your actions come from. It's where your thoughts come from. And so if you're storing these things at night, when you get up, when you're giving gratitude for what the small things that you do have and where you want to go and what you want to do, if you do this over and over, that resonance, that energy, that vibration is going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Are you going to do it perfectly? No. You're going to learn along the way. You're going to fail along the way. You are going to sometimes eat shit and be humbled. And that is, I think, the universe's way of saying, hey, not that way, idiot this way stop stop trying to get through that brick wall you're in front of there's a door over here and sometimes you got to ask hey man show me the open door show me the path Mm. like i am on my knees like you know in front of god and everybody else i don't care it's like humiliate yourself be humble admit that you don't have it figured out this is life man like i'm still figuring shit out like i really am there's stuff like i bang my head against the wall all the time i'm like why am i not being able to break through with this but that that pain that that struggle that is you becoming a better version of yourself and it's i'm telling you if you can think about it and you can you know meditate you can pray about it i guarantee you you stick to it and you don't get too comfortable it is going to manifest itself it's just the way that the the universe works Mm. the idea of being humble where does that stem from for you because like uh, you said you were used to be you're not a christian like you're not professing christian faith anymore mm-hmm. but obviously that does it start from there and humble for you humble beginnings um man i i would like to say yes but i don't think so um I, i'm going to give credit to a lot of my coaches growing up i played football in georgia and was part of uh, a squad in Georgia that absolutely never lost. Like we kicked ass. We won the state championship and quad A, which was the biggest, you know, and all that. But the thing was, it was you had like you weren't allowed to talk. You were you no talking smack. You went down there and you played smack mouth, you know, football where you just absolutely ground people down and drove the ball down their throat and ran it into the end zone time <laughs> yeah. and time again. I mean, it was. Amen. Amen. It was God's football, right? <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, uh, man, if they if they caught you talking shit, if they caught you winning without some class, whew, boy, it was over. And so what it was wow. was like, you can be the best in the world, but that was today. That's now, that's yesterday, right? Tomorrow, you know, what we always said in special operations is like, you know, the only easy day was yesterday. So, okay, cool. You want to say championship? be in the weight room tomorrow morning. We're going to start talking about the plan for next year. We're going to start getting after it tomorrow. And that's what it takes, I think, um, in terms of being humble is like your your best yesterday isn't good enough. And so if you can realize that in a moment um, and be grateful and understand that you probably didn't get there alone, um, I think it's pretty simple to stay grounded. Okay, man. 
I like that. That's awesome. It's, it's, I, it's kind of refreshing to hear that too, as far as like moving out of the city. Cause I, I just see so many people on the right. There's like, get out of the cities. And somebody like me, I, I push into the cities cause I like helping people. It's just, uh, it's something I, I, yeah. it's, I don't know if it's a gift or, or if it's like a calling or whatever it is, but I have to be in, in the midst of the suffering. I can't run. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got, but I don't know. That's, that's, just like, that's a, the thing is we need it there too. Right. Okay. Like we, yeah, yeah. we, we do, we have to have people like that everywhere. Like you're giving yourself, you're giving your charity, you're giving your time, you're giving your ear, you're giving your experience to younger kids or maybe even, I don't know, older kids. Like if you, if you're willing to give of yourself, man, that's what this world needs more of. Right. Is like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. You know what? That might not be the easiest area to be independent, but if no. you're, if you're fulfilling your passion, it's probably the best place for you to fulfill you know, being independent. That's awesome. Well, cool, man. I like to always like kind of leave a podcast with like a final kind of thought and a positive thought. And like, what do you think? I think in 2022, integrity is something I'm seeing less of. And what, what does like being a man of integrity mean to you? Uh, you get one name, man. Uh, I, I guess you could ch- change your name, move around, all that bullshit. You can't really hide anymore uh, <laughs> on the internet. Um, I, was, I, I, I talked a lot about Bitcoin earlier. Um, your reputation is going to be everything going forward. If you're if you're a you know unscrupulous actor, um, you know like it's uh, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be. I think it's going to be one of those things. And um, for me, man, integrity. I found out the hard way. <laughs> Uh, you know, last story, I swear. Um, no, no, please. I, me and my younger, my younger brother by a year, we had had enough with, uh, Ned Flanders, who was my neighbor growing up, right? <laughs> Literally, uh, had, had a, had a mailbox with a cross on it with more bricks laid into it that had another cross and hi diddly ho, their neighbor. Um, he had lots of kids. They homeschooled and I didn't understand them. I really, I had no idea. Nicest people on earth. Um, but at the end of the day, we were like, yeah, these people are really weird and we feel like it's an act and, uh, you know what, for Christmas, let's go egg their house. (gasps) We did. We egged their house. We stole their lights. We were like seven and eight years old. We were idiots. Um, and then, you know, we got caught. One of, one of our buddies, you know, that, you know, best kept secrets are the ones that you never tell. And so my dad found out and my dad being from Flint, Michigan was like, Hey, you idiots. Um, <laughs> we're going to go make this right. And we're going to do it the Flint, Michigan way. So <laughs> we, uh, we went over to the house, um, knocked on the door, man, before, um, you know, Mrs. Flanders opened the door, man, we were bawling. We were just so ashamed of ourselves and to try to get out, you know, of your lips, what, you know, what we had done to these perfectly nice people. And then just, like have her be like come here man oh man like it'll bring me to tears now but yeah it didn't bring my dad to tears brought my dad to like rage but like at least he was cool about it he's like all right go get the ladder go get the hose go get a scrub brush you're gonna wash the entire side of their house 
And wow. I'm inviting all your stupid neighborhood friends over here to you know poke Watch. fun at you while you do this. And he did. Oh. He went and got them all. He got it in his little oh. S10 Chevy and got them all and brought them. You know, like once we were done washing the side of this house and people were having their fun with us and everything else, uh, he he took us all around, all the neighborhood kids, and he said, you know, probably the one thing that stuck with me forever is like, don't do it. If I was standing over your shoulder, ask yourself the question, would you do it if I was standing over your shoulder? I don't think I had a problem with integrity ever since then. It was just like, you know what, man, it basically, you know, what you do when nobody's looking, that's what counts. Are you accountable Mm. to yourself? If you're accountable to yourself and you've already had that discussion about what your your lines of demarcation are going to be, man, life is pretty cut and dry. Wow. I love that. Like, what a powerful image of your father being over you as you're about to do something stupid yeah. <laughs> like later in life. From and- Flint, Michigan, no less. Like, that guy, I love the belt. Like, he was just like, no, no, we're, we're not playing that game. Um, but, and, and you know, maybe the last, uh, last piece, like, I'm not smart enough to lie. Right, like I'm not smart enough to be that guy that's got to keep with all the lies. So if you're if you're a crayon eater like me, man, telling the truth is just the easy way out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe that's why you're a libertarian. Just <laughs> 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 to wrap it all up, uh, Shane. I've always said I would vote for any politician that's willing to go on a podcast and talk for an hour without oh man breaks. I think that's what distinguishes the the people that shouldn't be in office from the people that should because you're you're a normal person. You're I appreciated like um, just kind of you opening them up and talking about stuff and talking about your father and Bitcoin and we I mean, we did the whole gamut. So man, I just appreciate you and thank you so much for being a part of my show tonight, man. Any any uh, final thoughts? Oh man, uh, Derek, I feel like I got a new buddy. Um, I appreciate right. the the time. I appreciate your questions. Yeah, I love your your presentation here. Like you've got a good style. You got a great flow. Um, Thanks, man. I've got a you got a kick ass audience over here that's all about <laughs> doing stuff with you. So I think, man, keep doing stuff like this. You'll have to come on my show and hey, anytime. We'll talk about whatever you know, whatever comes up, whatever's in the news. Elon, Biden, the Fed, like whatever you want to talk about. There's so yeah. much. But uh, so, hey, really humbled to have the time and space and anybody that gives you a platform to talk on, man. Uh, always, thank you for all the grace. Appreciate it. Hey, man. Uh, hey, I appreciate you, and I'll be on your show anytime you want, man. We could do this as, as many times as you want. Cool. <laughs> I like. I appreciate the talking. Thanks, Derek. But, Thank you so much for everyone in the chat. I appreciate you guys so much. I hope you guys have a fantastic night. And uh, I will catch you guys on the next episode of the Derek O'Shea Show. Well, boys and girls, that wraps up the show. We are at hour 20 already, so we'll make this brief. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for being here. Uh, tomorrow, I am going to be talking about the effect Elon Musk is having on the entire planet right now. The liberals losing their effing minds over Elon Musk. So uh, definitely tune in for that. And if you are not already listening on Fountain FM, Fountain FM is a place where you can earn Satoshi's bits of Bitcoin for just listening, something you're already doing already. And it also helps me. So this is like give and take relationship where we both get paid in sats. And uh, for all of those that you guys that have, I really, really appreciate you guys doing that. Uh, this is one of those positive reinforcements, positive incentive structures built on the Bitcoin core 
uh, and, and lightning technology, man, it is absolutely going to change the world as it is already. So thank you guys for all being here. Thank you guys for being an amazing audience and for everything you do for me, lifting me up, sharing the hell out of this kind of stuff. You guys are absolutely the best audience in podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you a million times over until tomorrow. I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take this back.